crazy. I have been away from my own children for the longest period of time since they've been alive. Um, I guess since I've been alive too. Um, and so literally, I'm still another, gosh, almost two weeks from seeing my kids. And I last saw my children on May 28th. And so I know it's not going to happen again. We've already kind of set some parameters. We've signed some new contracts in our marriage and family life. And uh, everything's well. We're not, there's no like, oh, man, <clears throat> gets on Twitter later today. Epic pastor has left his wife for the last month with the children. Um, she's with her family, having a great time. And anyway, I'll see her this week. I'll see them for a little bit longer. Um, you, you know, it's interesting when we really begin life, but we're first introduced to childlike faith as children, Right. And there's a sense in which, as kids, we believe anything's absolutely possible. Like, if we, if we jump in a wrestling match with our sibling, if we jump from the top bunk bed to the floor, we really believe we're going to be fine. Right? Or we really believe, as kids, that we will, uh, we will be a professional baseball player. Like, we will. Anybody else have that dream? Or tell me your biggest dreams as children. Just give a shout-out to me right now. A princess. Why not? That was mine, too, but it didn't work out. What else? A senior? You guys were inspiring kids. I mean, this is awesome. Direct a movie. A homeowner. Direct a movie. A park ranger. Why not? Why not? Power Ranger would have been better, but a park ranger. What was it about the park rangers that inspired you, Louie? So in Africa, we have the big five. And that's what I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. You want to be part of the big five. Why not? Why not? And, and so as, but as kids, but then we begin to go through life and we realize the things that we thought were possible for us, we realize all of a sudden we have limitations. So we realize that, that we're not going to get every guy in the room to notice us. I mean, girls, there's things you could do to get every guy in the room to notice you, but don't. But we, we realize that as we get out of high school or we're entering at least that phase where we're trying to decide on college, some of us, or maybe just me, we realize we can't get into any college that we want to. And so really throughout life, we start with this childlike faith, like anything is possible. I see it in my kids now, but I know there's going to be seasons and moments where they're going to lose that because they're going to realize their own limitations. And there's a little bit disheartening about that, but I think it's okay. But I think what also doesn't happen for many of us is that we never allow God to reintroduce us to childlike faith. And the scriptures are really, really clear that if we're going to approach God, He wants us to do that with faith like a child. And so what happens is we originally believe when we're kids anything's possible we realize we have limitations, but then hopefully there's a day that we encounter who God is and what He's done on our behalf. And then what happens is God begins to change us from the inside. But He doesn't want to just change you and realize, hey, He's done something amazing for you in the person and work of Jesus. What He wants to do is reintroduce us to the childlike faith. Only this time the childlike faith isn't so much in you and your abilities. But it is about putting your faith in a childlike manner into a God who can do anything. Really, the Bible is real clear, and I think history speaks to this as well, that God seems to do His best work in the situations that seem most impossible. Right? And so many of us in this room are people who want to explain everything away, but I hope you've had some experiences or at least heard of stories or seen lives change where you go, I can't, I can't explain that. And this morning, as we conclude the Give Me Faith series, I think what God wants to do in us is go, hey, would you get back to that childlike faith, only this time the object of your faith is not you? Only this time the object of your faith is me. And so I want to really recap Abraham's story with three verses from the New Testament. 
We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, but if you need a Bible, because we, just as a small gift, want to give you one, or if you left yours at home or whatever, just raise your hand. We've got people walking the aisles right now, just ready to give you your own Bible. If you need to borrow it, that's fine. If you want to keep it, it is our gift to you. You won't get much for it at the pawn shop, but it is something that, that you can keep. And just a small way for us to say thanks. I believe it's page 652 if you have one of those gift Bibles. If you don't, I have no clue. But if you have one of the Bibles that was just passed out, you can also get the Bible on your smartphone, your iPads, whatever. So it's great. Um, it's certainly great things to use technology for. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10 is where we'll be. This is a great chapter, and I would encourage you, if you are not, or if you are familiar with this, to maybe read this later on today or later this week. It's a, it's a full chapter of stories about men and women, really from the Old Testament times, the pre-Christ era, and, and how, by faith, they saw God do amazing things in their lives. And it's this really inspiring thing that allows us to read and go, man, God, if you can do that with ordinary people, could you still do that with me? Could you still do that in my generation? And so the verses I want to focus on with Abraham happen in verse 8 through 10. They'll also be on the screen if you want to follow along in that manner. And so here we go, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, really recapping what, are, what takes chapters in the Old Testament and Genesis to play out. Here we go. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac, his son, Jacob, his grandson, heirs with him of the same promise. The promise was that he would be a father to many nations. Verse 10 is really the focal point for this morning. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. A few things I want you just to see, and then we're going to really get into hopefully what will be a great exercise for all of us this morning. Right off the bat, what I want you to see is that Abraham moves forward in faith, but he obeys once he's called to go out. Let me just let some pressure off you and I this morning. You and I are not the originator of the visions God has for our lives. Now, some of you have great visions, and so you're like, I really want to be. Well, you, you can be the, the originator of some of the visions in your life, but they're not going to be really grand visions. They're not going to be things that you're going to go, man, this is what I was made to do. At least eventually you'll get to that place. So God is the one who downloads the vision in our heart. You, you might sense it like this, you, that, that God begins to stir within you something that's bigger than yourself, something that's beyond what maybe you're doing or beyond what you're experiencing right now. So God's part is to be the originator and the one who gives the calling, the one who downloads the vision into our hearts. And then our response, we've said all along, is faith and obedience. Faith that we believe God will do what He says He wants to do and what He's showing us He wants to do. And then obedience just says, you know, God, what you ask me to do in the pursuit of this vision, my answer will be yes. And so our response really is faith and obedience. God is the caller. He's the depositor. He's the, the depositor of the vision in us. And then our role, our response is faith and obedience. So Abraham didn't get it perfect. Thank God. So we have an example to go, man, he screwed up also. Right? I mean, I know you guys are perfect, but for me. And so you get into verse 9, the promise. And then in verse 10, here's what I want to say. In verse 10, why? 
it gives us the motivation, why in the world did Abraham leave everything that was familiar to him? Why did he leave the only place he had ever known? Why did he leave the only family he had ever known? Why did he leave the only home that he had ever known? What allowed him to do this? What allowed him to do this? Here's the deal for Abraham. He was more interested in eternal significance than earthly comfort. You see it? He was more interested in what was eternal than what was simply comfortable during his life. When it starts verse 10, it says, the reason why Abraham got up, the reason he left at the age of 75. Do you know anyone 75 years old that's lived in the same place? Maybe think of a grandparent or parents, maybe yourself, right? Or at least 35 years. Can you imagine going to that person that's lived in one place their whole life and said, hey, it's time to move? I don't know about your grandparents, but my grandmother is not going for that. Hey, here's the my, my grandmother is awesome. She lives in Shreveport, Louisiana, and she lived in the same house. Like all, like my, my mom grew up in that house. The house started as two bedroom. The house is in the ghetto, right? And she's been a million. She, she's a millionaire, literally. True story. Her house is in the ghetto in a neighborhood that is just I don't know other way to say it, but it's ghettoified. And, uh, and and Mimi, as we call her, she still lives there. She's not going anywhere. She's got plenty of money. She could buy any house in the city. But she's not going anywhere. Can you imagine? So the reason why Abraham's willing to go, I'll go for that, is because he was interested, the scripture says in verse 10, he was looking forward to a city that has foundations. So he's, he's really uh, differentiating there between what's eternal and what's temporary. He's looking forward to a city that is actually permanent. It's actually like built in concrete. It actually has a foundation. And then he gives this beautiful description. He says the architect, the one who designed this city, is God. And not only was... Have you ever met an architect that also carried out the hammering and nailing? Not usually, right? But in this, he says God was both the architect, the designer, but he's also the builder. He's going, that's what I want to give my life for. That's why I'll leave my dad. That's why I'll leave my family. That's why I'll leave my familiar surroundings. Because I want to be a person that lives for something that's eternally significant. You and I in our lifetime will choose earthly comfort or eternal significance, but we'll never wholeheartedly choose both. We'll never choose both. Look at the life of Jesus. Could he have had both? Could he have had the kind of eternal significance that we know? Would he have been the central piece in all of history, not just Christian history, but in human history? He couldn't have avoided the cross and still had the same significant eternal impact he had, could he? No, because otherwise you and I are somehow paying for our own sins. So here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to really become a mantra for us as a church and for us as individuals. We leverage what is temporary for the sake of what is eternal. We leverage, we get the most out of what is temporary for the sake of what is eternal. Now, what is temporary in our lives? Pretty much everything, right? Pretty much everything. It hit me this week. One of the things that's temporary for those of us who are parents is the time that we have with our children in our homes. At least if you're a good parent, that needs to be temporary. Right? I mean, I'm all about hardships later in life, but if you're a good parent... So, one of the things I realized the other day, that if we have 18 years with our children in our home... My oldest turns 8 in September, meaning, this is a scary thought for me, meaning Elijah, our oldest son, has lived more than 40% of the entire time that he will be in my home total. Scared me to death. Like, if he gets out of the house at 18, wink, wink, if, right? 
Now, I'm going to be the kind of dad I need to be, but, but if, if he gets out of the house when he's 18, I've got like 10 and a half years left. It seems like forever. In fact, somebody as a speaker one time told Shauna and I when we had small kids, it was a great quote. It said, with small children especially, the days are long. Amen, parents of small children? I'm not talking about midgets. I just mean like they're young. Right? I'm sure that's true also. Um, We have any midgets podcast on this. Um, if so, let's edit that touch. Uh, refocus. Um, but they said this. They said with, with children, especially small children, the days are long, but the years are really short. That really stuck with us. So the days are long. You're like, oh my gosh, is it ever? Like, is this day ever going to end? And then you're like, what, you get to the afternoon, and you're like, you got one of two strategies. They, they're being a pest, and you're like, you've either got to decide one of two things, right, moms and dads? You've got to decide, do you do the nap thing, which means they'll be up till 10 that night, or do you just persevere for the next three and a half hours so you get to the happy place, right? I mean, that's really the choice that you have with kids. Like, do we do the nap because he is killing me right now? Or, and, but they said, you know what, mom, the days are really long, the years are very short. And just to go, you know what, if you're a parent, future parent, whatever, what, and you have children, it doesn't mean you'll be out of their life after those 18 years or 20, whatever it is. But it does mean, man, I've got limited time with my kids. What am I going to do with it? Like, literally, just thinking about it, I've got about 3,800, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm a little bit analytic freak. Like, I've got like 3,800 days left with the life. <coughs> that sounds like a ton, but it's going to fly by. What are we going to do with it? Do you know that your talents are temporary? If you don't believe me, tell me where Michael Jordan's playing right now. Greatest man, I think, to ever play the game. He's not playing anymore. Your talents are temporary. So, I, I, and it may be that you have the talent you have now as long as you're on this earth and then it's gone. But for most of us, the talents we have now, the things that we're good at, how sharp your mind is now, it may not exist like that forever. So what are you going to do with the talents you've been given while you have them right now? Our influence is temporary. You won't always be able to influence the group of people that you're able to influence today. When I think about my first youth ministry job, I think about there were some kids that we invested in, and I just wondered, did I do enough? That was temporary. I'm no longer there. I'm not in their lives. And, and, and I don't blame myself for everything, but some of them have been in big trouble with the law and things like that. I'm just going, should I have done more? And this isn't about beating ourselves up. It's just realizing, hey, what we've been given is temporary, so let's leverage what's temporary for the sake of what's long-lasting. Our influence. Our money is temporary. Some of you are like, dude, I know. I get paid one day, it's gone the next. I get that temporary <laughs> sense of money. And listen, I know it's part of our lives, but some of us are driven by it. Let's listen to how, how this sounds. And we all have to do this, and you need to do this, and make sure you understand my heart correctly. But so many of us, myself included, are driven by taking what's temporary money, acting like we're getting the most of it, but what we're doing is getting more temporary stuff. Right? And, and, and you're going, oh, Ben, do you have a place you live? Do you have a car? I mean, yes. But I'm not asking, will we spend money on temporary stuff? I'm asking, will we be driven... In our pursuit of what we do with our money, will we be driven to give towards more of what's temporary and never really going, hey, I want to give myself, my time, my influence, my talents towards something that's long-lasting. If you're a leader, a future leader, or volunteer in our church, your role in this church is temporary. 
my role in this church is temporary. And no, I'm not announcing a resignation this morning. Sorry. I just mean that if I'm the pastor of this church for the rest of my life, my role is still temporary, right? And so I don't know how much time God is going to give me to lead this church, but what I want to do is make the most of it. And if you're a leader in our church, I don't know how long you'll be able to serve and have the kids or be a greeter or, or lead a group throughout the week. I just want you to make the most of what you have been given. I want to make the most of what I have been, have been given. And here's another thing that might strike you as odd, and you may want to argue with me when I say this, but another thing that's temporary for us is faith. Do you know that for those of us who put our faith in Jesus, there's a day coming where faith will not exist for us anymore? It's going to be a beautiful day. The Bible says there's coming a day for those of us that have placed our faith in Christ where our faith is made sight. And when your faith's made sight, you can't have faith anymore, right? One day the Bible says that we will see him and we will know him even as we are known by him. So you've only got faith opportunities for a short time. Well, only on this earth can you exhibit faith. What are you going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? Are we really giving our time, our money, our talents, our influence to things that really aren't making a big difference? And here's the deal. We have some of the most creative people in the world in our own church. Go use it wisely, but don't be driven by that. Do you really think the thing that you create today is going to matter to anybody? 20 years from now? Well, probably not 20 months, but I don't want you to be on its spot. Use it. Use what God's given you, but just remember, is it going to last forever? What are you going to be driven by? What are you and I going to, to follow? And when it comes to things that last forever, the Bible's pretty clear. It's like, man, God lasts forever. He's an eternal being. The Bible says that His Word lasts forever, and the Bible's really clear that you and I will spend forever somewhere. Man, as best I read, that's all I got. Some of you are depressed by that. Some of us are depressed by that. Just make sure we invest our time in things that really kind of matter. Listen to what Andy Stanley said, a pastor from the Atlanta area at North Point Church. He says that missing out on God's plan for our lives must be the greatest tragedy this side of eternity. Missing out on God's plan for our lives must be the greatest tragedy this side of eternity. And, and the reason why I think it must be the greatest tragedy, I'm in agreement with him. The reason why I think so is because if you and I miss out on God's plan for our lives, it's going to determine and affect the impact we do or don't have in eternity. One of the biggest things for our church, we want to be helpers to you. We want to lead out this way in ourselves. Let's figure out what God has for us and let's give ourselves wholeheartedly to it. Now, if you'll take the sheet that you received and attached to your program as well as the pin there, I would love just to, man, let's, let's work through this together. We'll do some processing this morning. And some of this will be reviewed if you've been a part of the last few weeks. Some of this will be brand new stuff. But let's just look at some questions and really begin to say, what does God have for me and what do I need to be thinking about it? And let's consider what it is that God has for us. And here's what I want to say also. We have college students in the room. But we have men in the room and women in the room who are long retired. But I believe this is for every single one of us. If you've got what seemingly looks like your whole life ahead of you. If you've got maybe it looks like a shorter span of your life ahead of you. Or you seem like, man, the significance I did with work I no longer have. I believe this is for every single one of us. Even if you're not a Christian in the room, I believe this is for you. Here's what Andy Stanley says, and you'll see a book recommendation at the bottom, but he says this about what vision is. He says, it is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. So it's not just that we can do something great, 
It's that we literally feel this imperative in our lives that we need to be about doing something really great. So it's not just like, this could happen, but we really, we feel this stirring, we feel this longing, like, man, that needs to happen. And so that gets us down the course of pursuing a vision. What is the vision God is currently giving you for this season of life? Maybe the vision is to begin sharing your faith with your family or your coworkers. Maybe it's a family vision for you and your family. Maybe God wants you to pursue something. Perhaps it's a vocational vision. I believe it could be anything. And we'll, we'll get through some of the parameters in a moment. But what is it for you? What do you sense? What are you in the middle of? What do you feel like God might be beginning to do in you where he's really starting to download a new vision and asking you to pursue something that's, that's perhaps something new or fresh? And then we'll just run through some of these boundary questions. Am I pursuing a vision for my life that appears to come from God or me? Does it come from God or does it come from you? Does it seem like he's downloading it or you're trying to build it yourself? Next, am I pursuing a vision that demands God's presence and activity, or is my presence and my activity sufficient? <laughs> Psalm 37, 4 and 5, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Pursue something that demands God's activity. Now, let me say how that, I'll make sure it doesn't sound wrong. It doesn't like, it's not a saying, God, I'm doing this, you better get your act together, right? That's a bad way to go. Back. But it is saying, God, I'm pursuing something that if you don't intervene, we've said it all along, illustration-wise, with this church. We can't, I'm not smart enough or spiritual enough uh, or cool enough to build a church in San Francisco on my own. You're not either. We're not all together. We can't do it. We need God to act, and he has acted, and we've told that story, and we'll continue prayerfully telling that story for a long time. Do you believe that anything is possible for God to accomplish? How you answer this question will determine what you're willing to pursue and what you're afraid to pursue. Do you think anything's possible? Is it a vision that requires faith, meaning you trust God will do it, and obedience, meaning you're going to do your part when he calls you to do something? What will you have to leave in order to pursue what God is calling you to do? When God calls us to move forward, usually always that will involve leaving something behind, something familiar, maybe a job, maybe a relationship, maybe just a thought that you had before about what you were going to give your life to is the end of your vision, meaning when the vision becomes a reality, is it something that only impacts temporarily or eternally? Just a great guide here just to go, man, what? It's not an exhaustive list, but I think it's a great list. Will it impact just temporarily or permanently, eternally? Next question, will you be willing to sacrifice anything it takes to see the vision become a reality? Will you be willing, and, and, and listen to this disclaimer, you need to really hear this. God will never go against his will or his word to help you accomplish your vision, right? So God will never ask you to sacrifice your marriage so that you can pursue your dream, man. Got it? With me? He's never, you're, you're never going to be able to go, you know, girl, I would stay married to you, but God's got something better for me. Now, I'm pretty sure that's not in the Bible. I'm pretty sure that. So, he's, man, seriously, though, he's never going to ask you to. He, you will have to make sacrifices, but he'll never ask you or want or desire to sacrifice what he has given, laid out clearly in his word, or what he has even given you in relationship or commitment, covenant, things like that. He will never ask you to sacrifice those things. Are you willing to go through the process it will take to see the vision become a reality? Some of the visions God has for us, they're not going to be a reality this weekend. They're not going to, some of them, be reality in the next five years. Right? And so will you be willing to stick with it? And then here's a great practical question. What are the steps? Remember, we said that the bigger the vision God gives us for our life, the more steps there are along the way. 
Isn't that true? And if, if you think about the things you pursued that God has for you, the bigger the vision is, the more steps there will be along the way. So what are the steps? What I can't do this morning is see the 10-year vision for Epic Church realized. But what I can do this morning and try to focus on this morning is God doing something in this morning and us participating in something this morning with you that gets us a little bit further towards it. Does that make sense? So, so what are the steps? And then uh, I read a great book. It was a secular book recently called, I think it's The Sense of Urgency. And it, it said, you know, you can't have your big vision realized today, but you can do one step towards that being realized later on. What is the step you need to take today? A lot of us get to a place where we have like um, decision or process uh, paralysis, which means that we're like, man, it seems so far away, so we don't do anything. I'm, I'm there sometimes. I'm like, man, there are 20,000 steps. I don't know how to get there. Take the first one. Tomorrow, I'll take the next one, right? If you want to own a house in today's culture, I've got some friends that are buying a house, and there are a lot of steps. Well, they need to take the first one. Can we afford it? Second one, do we like a house? Okay, the third one, can we afford it? You know, we keep going back and forth if you live in San Francisco. But whatever the steps are, start taking some. And ask God to lay those out clearly to you. And you don't need to know the tenth step. Sometimes God's not going to give you step number two until you take the first one. Seems like, man, you know that there was zero dollars committed to this church till we decided to move? Zero. Nothing. Nada. Zip. What are the steps? The next question, I think this is huge. Do you have people in your life who will encourage you, believe in faith with you, and pray consistently for you? I was able to experience that this week. I'm leading a guy's small group. Daniel Renz and I are leading a guy's group on Thursday nights. And we had ten guys sitting in the living room in Josh's apartment and just sharing life together. And leaving with a sense, even though it was the first one, like, hey, we're, we're going to be better off as men because of this. But we're going to develop friendships. And the same thing for women. We have open groups. It was really cool. Over 90 adults signed up for our small groups. And you need to be a part of that. I don't say you need a lot around here, but I just know the way the human body, soul, spirit, mind has been wired by God. He's wired us for relationship and connection. And so I will say this one time at least. You need this. You may have it a different way, different Bible study group, whatever, but you need to be a part of something like this in your life. And those groups are just getting started, and they'll, they'll be open all session long throughout the summer. Is it a vision that is too hard for you to accomplish on your own? That's that whole God acting thing again. Here's a good heart test that we talked about last week with Abraham and Isaac. Will you love God more than you love the vision becoming a reality? One of my greatest struggles is to love the vision more than I love God who gave me the vision. Will you love Him more even than what He does for you? Next one, are you okay with God accomplishing the vision in a way that is different than your preferred way? Any control freaks in the room besides me? This one's hard, isn't it? Like, God, I know you're kind of smart, but I've got a great plan. <laughs> And God's like going, that's the best idea I've ever heard. Right? No, God's got infinite wisdom. He, he, he sees, can you imagine that? Like literally us going, God, you will not believe what I thought of this morning. He's like, oh, tell me, that's interesting. Give me more. Give me a business plan, you know? Maybe I'll sign up. Maybe I'll fund it. And he's going, really? It's hard because I do think, hey, God, you want this for me. Well, obviously it should be accomplished in a straight path. And sometimes God's saying, I do want this for you, but I'm going to take you around we're going, God, I learned in math, like the straightest point, the quickest point, you know, he's going, I've got, I got something else for you. I've got something else for you. So I think these are good questions. I hope that you and I will use it. This is something you can keep for, for a lot of years. If you lose it, ask me. I've just got to save this document. Are you moving forward in faith or shrinking back in fear? 
I harp on this a lot because I think in my own life, I think in the past and in the future of our church, this will be the question that we face a lot. When God presents us with a stirring, He begins to do something in our hearts, and He begins to call us towards something, our first response will be fear. It happens all throughout the scripture, right? Mary finds out she's going to be Jesus' mom, and she's like, oh boy. First thing angel says is what? Like, they don't start looking at baby names together, right? <laughs> True? They're like, oh, what's, what's popular this year? No. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God's with you. Do not be afraid. And so I think that's okay. It's an initial response. It's, it's, it's an initial response for me. But at the end of the day, you will have to go, am I going to be paralyzed by fear? Or am I going to move forward in faith? And what I've said to people when they go, Ben, aren't you afraid of starting this thing and raising your kids in a crazy city? And, and uh, yeah, I, I am. But you know what? We got to a place where we allowed other fears to supersede those fears. The greatest fear in our life now is, what if we don't do what God's asked us to do? Are we afraid of some things? Sure. But our greatest fear, the one that kind of trumps and, and triumphs over all the other fears in our life, is what if we don't do this? What if, Sean, we're an old couple in the nursing home, and that's going to be fun. Uh, but what if we look back and go, we never went for it. Like, remember, like Sean, you remember 50 years ago when God began to stir something in our hearts about that church thing, and, and we were at an established church, and we were really, really comfortable, and, and life was good, and, and family time was awesome, and there was a pool in the neighborhood. I would never want to get to that place and look back and go, we never went for it. We never leveraged what was temporary for what was going to last forever. So one of our greatest prayers, and you've heard me say this, and I'll say this as long as I'm here, our greatest prayers in moving our kids out here and starting this church and all those kind of things is that when they became adults, they would thank us for this crucial decision that we didn't play it safe and we really didn't allow them to play it safe. It's, it's, it's not a democracy in our family, right? They, they didn't have a vote. That when they get to be adults, I go, Mom, Dad, it was crazy growing up in San Francisco. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Hebrews 10.39, I encourage you to memorize it. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Isn't it awesome that it seems the scriptures link moving forward in faith to soul preservation? And you know this, right? When we go through moments of depression and boredom, sometimes it's because we're just playing it safe. There's nothing more adventurous, there's nothing more exhilarating than moving forward with this God. But I do want to ask you this, and it's not just a tag on at the end. Have you, by faith, embraced who Jesus is and what he's done on your behalf? And I know this is an absolute statement coming up that I have right there in the parentheses, but I'll say it. I do believe this is the first vision God has for your life. I do believe... This is the first vision God has for your life. It's true for you. If you're not a Christian this morning, I believe that. If you are a Christian, but you've gotten sort of away from the God thing, and you're, you're all about taking what He's done and just moving forward with the vision, you, you may want to reacquaint yourself with this one. The last thing you and I want to do is be going down the road with a great vision by ourselves. Moses said to God, God, if you're not going there with me, I don't want to go. It's a great anthem to live by. God, if you're not taking that path, I don't want to take it. I recommended a book there. It's been helpful to me over the last 10 years of my life, Visioneering by Andy Stanley. It looks at the life of Nehemiah and, and really um, 
but then it gets real practical in our lives, how Nehemiah helped rebuild a wall in Jerusalem. And uh, just some great stuff in there if you, if you want to go through that kind of, that's just a word he made up. I, don't, I mean, at least I think it's made up. Um, just for the process of, of seeing a vision get downloaded all the way to seeing the results and it become a reality. If you can't tell, I'm excited about this topic. Also, if you can't tell, if I haven't said it clearly enough, I haven't always gotten this one right. And as your pastor and leader, I'm not going to get it right every time moving forward. There are times where God's going to speak to me, maybe through you or through our staff or just in my time with him. And he's going to say, hey, I know you don't have the money, but move forward. And I'm going to be like, God, I don't think they're taking credit these days. No. There are times in your life where you're going to not get it right. You're just going to go, I just can't do that. Remember that God's gracious. Remember the Bible's really clear that he's faithful even when you and I are faithless. Abraham, there were a couple times in Abraham's life where he introduces his wife as his sister. All right? And yet Hebrews 11 is looking back on his life and going, man, look at this faithful man. There, there are times, if you remember, in Abraham's life where he and Sarah decide that God's not giving them kids, actually. And so, hey, take my servant and sleep with her. And yet still in Hebrews 11, God's looking back to his word and looking back at Abraham's life and saying, this was a faithful man. We have stories like that in our past. They don't have to dictate who we are in the future, and they don't have to limit what God can do still in us in the future. Will you place your faith in Him? Like, will you believe that this God has shown Himself good and purposeful all throughout history wants to show Himself as good and purposeful in your life as well? If you're young, if you're old, anywhere in between. May we move forward. May this be a series that defines our church. As we look forward to this fall, there's lots of things on the horizon. We're preparing for the series that we're going to do and the topics we think can be impactful for our church and our city. And you have a part to play in that. For some of you moving forward in faith because of your personality, it would be a huge deal for you to actually invite someone to be a part of this with you. I pray that you move forward in faith. Some of you have been sitting in the chair for about two months now, three months, even. a lot. And for you to move forward in faith would, would, would be to start volunteering. Some of you have never worked with kids in your life. And we probably don't want you to sign up now. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Well, some of you, it's true. But uh, we will walk the rest of you through that whole process. I want to pray for you. I don't know what your step is. I don't know if it's just to embrace, first of all and foremost, who Jesus is. I don't know if your step is that God's calling you to leave a real secure job. I don't know if God's calling you and your spouse to start a family. I don't know if God's calling you to reconcile with your dad, even on Father's Day. I don't know. But I want to pray for strength, for courage, and asking God to let this ride in our hearts. And I want to pray for you to believe that the God who promised to never leave us is with you. Let's pray. And then we'll continue. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for the truths that I feel even in this moment exploding in my own heart as I think about what's important to me. God, as I think about my marriage, as I think about my family, as I think about my vocation, God, as I think about the possibilities that exist for us as a church, God, I get the fact that we're four months into this thing, but I also get the fact that you're a huge God who's been doing the impossible in the lives of ordinary men and women and children for a long time. God, would you do it again? God, would you give us faith this morning? God, would you give us perseverance? For those of us in the room who things aren't happening quick enough for. God, could we believe that even though we've dropped the ball, 
on the past, that it's still possible that he would trust us with a vision and dream for the future. God, may this be a marked day in our church's history. May we use this guide to process what you're doing in our life now and in the future. God, for the men and women, perhaps kids in the room who still find this impossible or too hard to believe is for them. God, would you persuade in a way that only you can? In the way that you can, God, I can't. But you can. I pray you do that now, Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.